Hi, this is Patty, and thank you for listening to this previously recorded episode of GalaxyCon Live. We'd also like to invite you to check out our other shows, Rock Around the Ring, featuring music and wrestling guests, and GalaxyCon Talks Comics, all of which are available now on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are available. Welcome back, friends and fans, to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing convention-style entertainment directly to you. Today, we are going to Hawkins, Indiana, with a fantastically talented young guest, and now let's bring him out. He is an actor, a singer, a spokesman for cranial dysplasia awareness and whose credits include Broadway productions of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Les Miserables, Angry Birds 2, and of course, the role of Dustin Henderson in Stranger Things. Please welcome Gaten Matarazzo. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hello. Good. How you How been, you boss? I'm doing great. I'm doing real, real good. That's good. Everything Everything okay with uh, you and your, and your part of the world? Yeah. I'm living life, you know, relaxing, trying. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Has the uh, has the quarantine uh, affected you uh, too heavily? Quite a bit. Works on pause. We were in the middle of filming four, and then they said, "Nope." Yeah. <laughs> no, been, they said two week break, and we've been we've been gone for three months. And that was three months ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, that's showbiz, right? You know? <laughs> indeed. So, uh, what I'd love to do is is uh, get a little background on you for those who may not know it. How did you get interested in acting? Well, when I was about seven years old, I just turned seven. My sister had already been doing community theater locally where we live in in New Jersey. I didn't know anything about it. And she eventually wanted to start looking for representation so she could start to work as well. There was a showcase in New York. So there's a showcase where representation goes to a lot of different managers and agents. My sister went and uh, performed there. And one of the managers that was there uh, took interest in her and wanted to sign her. And I happened to be there up in the city because I was seven and couldn't be home alone. And I remember she asked me, she said, uh, do you want to do this too? Just like a little, just to start a conversation. And I said, yes. I had no idea what she was talking about. I just wanted to be like my big sister. And uh, so after that, we went to her office a couple of days later to uh, up so she could hear me read and sing for her. And then she signed me as well. And so it just kind of took off from there, kind of by accident. So yeah. it was cool. Yeah, you were not the first uh, first actor who went along with a sibling and then yeah. you know, got caught in the mix. So yeah. there's there's definitely a precedent for this. What was your first uh, first role you got cast for? My first role actually was Priscilla Queen of the Desert. It was well, right right out of the gate. That was the first thing. Well, it took almost three years. Okay, yeah. So it took almost three years of of auditioning very consistently. I was up in New York, and I live in southern New Jersey, so it's about a two-hour commute to New York. Yeah. And so I was making the commute to New York about uh, three times a week after school to uh, to do a lot of auditions, and they would just come in and come in. But I'd hear the same stuff, usually, just too short. A lot lot of trouble when it came to the whole teeth situation. So uh, I was just just wanted to keep on doing it. I was enjoying it. And uh, usually you get used to the rejection. You get used to hearing no, which uh, I think is a good thing. Especially as an actor, you got to get used to hearing no. It's going to happen a lot. Well, that 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 is an advantage you have about starting at the age you do, because mm. if you stick to it, you've built up your thick skin. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that, after a little while, I, I I booked Priscilla. I booked Priscilla after auditioning for three times, and wow. uh, and then after that, I started consistently booking stuff. Nice. Going to Priscilla. What what was what was that like? To you know, you, I assume probably your parent got the call. Like, hey, guess no. what? I remember it was funny. I had gotten cast in the Radio City Christmas Spectacular tour, 
And uh, so we immediately were like so excited we're going to take that job. And uh, we were, I, I don't know, I think I found out in the car. I was either on my way up to the city or on my way back from the city. It might, I might have been on my way back from the city. And then a couple days later, we got the call that I had also booked Priscilla. So wow. I booked both of them at the same time. But I didn't know I booked Priscilla. And so I went to my manager's office. Actually, I went to my agent's office. My manager was there, which she never really is. She waited there. She wanted the whole family there. And she said that I booked it. And so uh, for my first role, I had to decide between two. And it was either a Broadway credit or a small tour. Not a small tour, but a tour that was going to last a couple of months. So obviously we took the... Uh, I think I think Broadway was the was good strategic. Go, I guess. And uh, oh, I just remember, I just remember that that moment <laughs> my mom was freaking out more than i was because i just didn't really comprehend what was going on yeah i guess at that point i was just kind of tired and i was just ready to be like oh okay let's do this i don't even know what to do right now but and how, how old were you then i was nine i was, wow. eight. I was eight when i was cast eight. wow I started the moment i was i just turned nine wow getting your equity card at eight years old yeah That's right. yeah <laughs> very nice. So uh, it did a run on that. And uh, by all accounts, that was a very solid show. It's a very fun show. Oh, my gosh. Priscilla is such a blast. It was so cool. And it was actually like it was really cool getting to be introduced to the community uh, that the show is surrounded around. And it, it's so cool getting to be introduced to that from such a young age. And uh, so it was very inspiring. A lot of really, really great people showed me uh what it was like to express yourself and just be yourself and know that it's okay to be yourself. Yeah. For those who don't know, Priscilla Queen of the Desert is about a drag queen in Australia, a man who, who does drag and he, and how he's never met his son. So he's never met his son who lives about halfway across Australia. And it's about, the other side of the other side of the country. Uh, of the continent. And uh, so him and a couple of his friends, he tells a couple of his friends that they have a gig in Alice Springs and uh, he doesn't tell them that he has a son or that he's married uh, to a woman. And so it's about, he's going to meet his son and they're going for a gig. And it's, and it's all seventies jukebox music. It's so much fun. And it's, it's very fun and very, very, it, very, very heartfelt. And it was, it's such a fun story. And it's funny. Right. And the guy who played my dad, Will Swenson was in Les Mis on Broadway with me as well. Oh, nice. When I when I heard there were most of the time when I hear they, they're taking movies, taking into musicals, I'm always like, okay, whatever. But when I heard about Priscilla, I was like, yes, that's absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely and, and the fact that they had all like 70s and 80s music, that was that was the music that they had in the show. That's all the songs that they sang, and it was great. <laughs> and all of it from long before you were born yes very much so, very much so. Uh, so uh so that and you you mentioned les mis uh yeah. very very two very 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 different uh, oh, uh exactly funny i i had been auditioning for the les mis tour since i since i was seven yeah. it was my first audition that i can remember was auditioning for the tour i auditioned every six months until the end of the tour which was a three-year tour so I had auditioned six times, and I finally got cast at the last leg of the tour. And so I, I got to do it for the last six months, and it was absolutely fantastic. So that role, I was I was trying so hard for that role for so long. For, uh, it felt like forever. Well, and again, too, it's it's. Uh, I always tell everybody about again about the audition process. It's mm -hmm. like you're not auditioning for the role; you're auditioning to be welcome to come back and audition again. Yes, exactly. That's, that's what oh you're... my gosh, the amount of of I got you get callback 
final callback, second final callback, and then you just hear no. <laughs> it happened. Right. It happened six times, and the last one came. I was like, let's just get it over with. Did, did you ever? Have, did you ever have to go to a costume fitting? And uh, then yeah, that that happened to me once. I, no, uh, I got a costume fitting. I'm in. Nothing. No, yeah. they had to. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, it was. If you're fitting you for costumes, you should at least be uh be in line to perform. But that's showbiz. That's showbiz. <laughs> absolutely, that's absolutely. Crazy world. So you uh, you were really you were really building yourself a really good theatrical stage background, and you still, you still have to go to school. I do, yeah. So that was the hardest part was having to balance. I still go to public school, and I'm graduating this year, which is uh, exciting. I mean, it's weird considering the times we're in, which is, I mean, I think we've all gotten used to the idea, uh, at least us seniors, that uh, we'll have to just watch our graduation on a computer screen. I had been going to public school um, my whole life, and so I would go up to the city after school to do the shows. And when I was in Les Mis, on Wednesdays, we'd have matinees. And so on Wednesdays, I'd miss school and have to catch up that work the next day. Oh, and boy. when I, I was in the show in sixth grade, I was it was in March and I was in sixth grade and I was doing fine. And then seventh grade rolled around and I was in it in seventh grade all the way until March of seventh grade. And my grades were not good in seventh grade. And uh, after the year, they're like, you're too tall. And I'm like, good, I can't keep doing it because I'm going to fail school. If I if I keep doing this, so that was the hardest part was uh, definitely balancing that out. That's you raise an interesting point. I never realized that with child actors, as adults, we could age out of a role, but you literally sized out of a role. You literally got too tall to play the. Or we were growing out of our costumes, and yeah. oh my gosh, get you know every kid gets excited about getting tall, and they're they're like, oh my gosh, I've grown. It is a theater kid's worst nightmare. Oh my gosh, the conversations I've had. There was a park in on like. I'm not going to say where the park is because I don't want people like going and stuff because like the Broadway could still go there and, and hang out. But it's in the city. It's near the theater district. And it's a little playground that between shows on Wednesdays and Saturdays, because most shows had Wednesday matinees, Saturday matinees. Yeah. The kids would all go after lunch and play in the park before having to go to the next show. The amount of times that we've like compared heights and like measured ourselves on like the playground equipment because we were all like, no, come on. You're, you're standing up too tall. Just slouch a little. Just slouch a little. And. We would get so scared. Eventually, you just hear kids being like their contracts weren't getting renewed, and like it was expected after the year. Uh, after because yeah. I, I was already too tall to play the part when I was cast. Yeah. Me and Josh, you were both cast. Yeah, two tallest kids in the room, and we looked at each other like, "Ugh, okay." Uh, we we were both on the tour, and so we we're like, "Yeah, we had a good run." And then they uh, they call us and they're like, "You're in," and we were already too tall. So I mean, that was fun. But I knew that we were already. I was surprised they renewed our contract once because usually. Child actors get sick, yeah. and then they they check to see if they've gotten too tall. Then another six right. months. Yeah, measuring. Hmm. So scary. Literally, they're like, "It's time for measuring." And we're like, "No, no." Oh gosh. Do <laughs> uh, we? So when did uh, when did you get the uh, notification of hey, there's a new Netflix show? It's like a sci-fi horror yeah. thing. You recommend? Funny. I had um. I've been offered a, a final audition to swing in School of Rock musical. Oh. So that would have been really cool. I was, they offered, they uh, asked me to come in and read to uh, to swing for, uh, I believe it was Zach, Lawrence, and Billy. And for those of you who don't know, swing is almost like an understudy that covers multiple roles in a show. Yeah. So uh, that's just for people watching. And then at the same time, I also 
was auditioning for Stranger Things. It's funny. I remember when I was doing Priscilla, somebody had asked, one of my dad's friends had asked, you seem to be liking this quite a bit. I was like, uh-huh. And he goes, you think you'll ever uh, go to TV? And I said, <laughs> this is, I said, in theater, it's real acting. We have to get it right the first time. <laughs> no, seriously. I was like, oh, it's so funny. Those well, you, damn, you were becoming a theater actor, weren't you? I was like, those damn TV actors. And then I auditioned. And their free lunches. <laughs> and their catering. I remember I was auditioning, and it was it was a really cool audition process, and I knew it was going to be an interesting project from the get-go, because I'd read once. I went up to New York to read uh, once, and then I, got, I was auditioning for Mike originally. I think most kids were auditioning for Mike, because most kids that I talked to who had read you, I, I mean, Caleb, I only read for Lucas, and Noah, I'd only read for Will, but Finn had also only read for Mike. But I read for Mike, and then I'd also re- read for Lucas once, and then I read for uh, for Dustin after that. And they were like, okay, yeah, there. I remember that process. It was so weird. After I did the second call, they got brought me in for a callback with new sides, I which I found recently in my garage. Oh. I found the old audition sides. The dummy sides that didn't even make it into the show, like yeah. it was completely different. Like, like Nancy had had found out about Eleven in season one, and like early on in the show, and that was kind yeah. of a major portion of it. And like, oh, wow. I, I don't know if it was or they're just like, let's just write something with the names and see yeah. it works. And I remember, I remember that take. <laughs> I wasn't even off book. It was such like it was such a quick. They called me in so like it was such like short notice. I wasn't even off book, and I was like, "That might have been one of the worst auditions I've ever done in my life." Mm. And they called me back, though. They they called me back, and after that second call, they sent me this huge. They sent me this link to this huge document that was basically a slideshow that told us all about what the show was and what they wanted to do with it and what their oh. ideas were. They made a fake trailer that was comprised of a bunch of different movies from the 1980s that yeah. would be the main inspiration of the show and okay. they took all these different collections of different films and put them all together it was close and kind of the third kind et the yeah. Disney, uh stand by me lots of stand a lot yeah. of people talk about stand by me because it's not necessarily a sci-fi um yeah sci-fi movie but when it comes to the the story and when it comes to the emphasis on the necessity of of camaraderie and the necessity yeah. of that you need to have when you're coming of age. Yeah, at that age. Yeah. That age. And, when you, and when you're going through a journey like that, and like both in Stand By Me and in Stranger Things, the boys go through something they never even imagined they would have to. Yeah. And, it's, 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 and there's a there's another interesting factor to it too. Stand By Me, Stranger Things. Uh, I, I've always believed this theory that uh, I, think, I think kids of that age can emphasize and I think they're fascinated at seeing kids from a different time period going mm-hmm. through the same murder I, I think that's why Christmas Story resonates still so much. Too. Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I watched that movie. I, I forget what channel does. It might be like TBS. TBS, TBS does like yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. And oh, when the family comes over, that's literally all we put on. But yeah, but it's, it's, that, it's like every, every boy kind of remembers that age and it's nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's. It was like it was like that. It's been like that for kids the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, and like, and it's cool with Stand By Me. Stand By Me takes place in the fifties, correct? Yes. In the fifties, and it came out in the nineteen eighties, and so a lot of adults in the eighties were looking back and saying, "Wow, this was my childhood." And yes. so then you have that same thing here, where a lot of adults are looking at Stranger Things and being like, "The nineteen eighties was my childhood." 
So I'm excited to I'm excited to see like what period pieces and coming of age stories are going to be like based around now. That's what I'm excited to see one day. I mean, it may not be very exciting. I mean, kids don't do much now. <laughs> oh, you'll get there. <laughs> oh, you'll get there. But uh, me, a couple of fully convinced. Yes, I was. Uh, I I was that that age at in 1983. And yes, D and D playing. Oh, watch man. those same movies I, and run I around. Yeah, we started getting into D and D. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I've been working on the show for five years, and I didn't even do a campaign until during the quarantine. And it yeah. was online. It was an online campaign. It was my first one. I did it with a couple friends. And I was like, yes, this is everything. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even know why I didn't get into it. I was like, kind of like scared I was going to like get into like this whole hype thing. Oh, yeah. Where, like people would like say, oh, my God, he does play D&D. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can see it might be a little, yeah. You know, since the character, it, it's so much in the yeah. character mythology that, yeah, I can see. I, I, yeah. I I'm justified in being a little hesitant. But once you cross yeah. on over, it's like. Yeah. And once you're there, and I, nope, never going back. That Absolutely. is so much fun. You you got, got cast, went through the whole first season. When did you. When did you begin to realize that, oh, wait a minute, this is this is not just successful. This is a bona fide hit. That's the thing. It took way longer than it should have. Yeah. For me, for a lot of us to comprehend that we all knew from the get-go that after, not, not during filming, but after the show was released, we knew that it was a success. We knew that people were watching, that people were tuning in, that it, we knew it would resonate with with audiences that grew up and with people that grew up in the eighties. And we thought that would be a big draw. And we knew that there was a lot going for it in the sense that it could draw in a very diverse crowd, like lots of different age ranges and people who grew up in, in different areas. And, and it's, that's, what's really cool about it is because a lot of younger kids would like to watch it because they see younger actors being represented in a show that isn't geared towards children, which mm-hmm. is, uh, which is really, really cool. And then you also have people who look at the nostalgia based around it, which is really cool. But uh, and so I, I knew that it was going to be like that. But then I'm trying to think of like when exactly I was like, uh. And sometimes it's weird because net, net you, you Netflix they 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 guard their figures very carefully. So it's mm-hmm. almost like it's it's like it's like it's like you got to see from word of mouth truly. You know, on social media, people, oh, ladies, Stranger Things, Stranger Things. And I was like, what's what's this? Yeah, right. I like, you know what, actually, it might have been when I heard, I'm just playing with the cover for an outlet. I don't even know why. <laughs> I, uh, I remember hearing people talk about when they first started watching the show. And I hear a lot of people say that they were hesitant at first because they didn't want to just watch it because it was this hype. And I was like, there's hype? And they're like, yeah, there's, people are watching it like, just because everybody else is watching it and it's like one of those. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. I thought the people that were watching it, like were drawn to it, not necessarily because it was becoming a, a it was gaining a platform on social media or, or so many different other fronts, but that people were just like, I, that people were going into it and, and being like, this is like the show. Yeah. <laughs> like that was, Really exciting. That's when I realized when people were like, I didn't want to be in the hype, but then I watched it. And now I, I never got not watching it before. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Now they're, they're grudging fans, you know. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't you start from the beginning? But then I realized that I do that too. That I don't watch shows until they've been out for like three, four seasons. And then I'm like, all right. Then I go into it. I've, been, I've watched shows 
I hate that I get into shows after they're already over. Mm. I did not watch The Office until after it had ended. And yeah. was like, well, because I, I wasn't really old enough to enjoy The Office when it first. So there, you, there you go. Yeah, 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 I wasn't really old enough to like really appreciate that. And it wasn't until recently I was like, oh. <laughs> Well, and the, again, as as an old fart, I'm telling you, you have so many tremendous advantages in having access to all that stuff. Oh, you know? I mean, I'm from the that VHS was, generation, so that really you missed it. It's done. And yeah. putting TV shows even on VHS was like maybe it was like a Seinfeld level, sure, but otherwise, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. So. Tell us a little bit about CCD and your work with cool. CCD Smiles. Okie dokie. Well, uh, I'll start off with uh, telling everybody what uh, CCD is. CCD is short for cleidocranial dysplasia, which is uh, a condition that I was born with. It is a genetic condition that affects the growth of the bones a lot. Uh, it usually affects the jaw, um, which means that's why my teeth are all messed up. It's kind of like a trademark thing that I have going on, which is uh, which is cool. It helps me... Uh, it helps me use my platform to talk about the condition. It also affects skull growth, and I actually uh, have no collarbones. I have no clavicles. Most people who have it either have some underdevelopment of the clavicles or just a good portion of people with it just have no clavicles at all. Wow. I have a very mild case. I have a very mild case, and so I haven't really – I wasn't really able to understand what a lot of people who had it really went through until the show came out. And once I did the show, a bunch of people who – had never, most people that I've met who have the condition have not met anybody else until, oh, wow. until we were able to get CCD Smiles up and running. So CCD Smiles is an organization that is raising money to help people with the procedures that go along with cleidocranial dysplasia. The founder, Ellie Wozniak, is a medical professional. She also has cleidocranial dysplasia. And uh, she's been working on this for quite a while. And uh, it took something like Stranger Things and for, it took that platform for it to finally uh, launch and, uh, gain some ground, which is really, really exciting. What we do is we raise money so people can pay for their procedures because the biggest issue right now, one of the biggest issues is not even just letting people know what the condition is, but letting doctors and medical professionals know what's up with the condition. Because I have heard so many horror stories about about people not really knowing how to manage it. I The reason I Hmm. had no teeth in season one is because they pulled them out expecting my regular teeth to just grow in. They're like, it's a delay. We'll we'll pull them out and they'll they'll come on. Oh, wow. That's what they always do. We'll just pull them out and they'll grow in on their own. You just have a delay. It'll, it'll, it'll work out. But the thing is, is that when I got my front teeth pulled like two years prior to season one, mm. and so I just had that for a while. And a lot of people, what's really scary is a lot of people will have a lot of those teeth extracted, expecting them to come in, and yeah. they don't have any that they need. So they don't have those baby teeth that, that need to be there to be able yeah. to do. And so a lot of people resort to implants, which are expensive and a lot of them yeah. are reliable and uh, not really sustainable in any way. And so that, that was the biggest thing. And what the worst part about it is, is that you have insurance companies going back and forth, trying to argue whether it's medical or dental. Yeah. The fact that it is a medical condition, this is a condition that... And, this, and, and then what they do is they'll meet in the middle and they'll, they'll be like, hey, we don't have to cover this. This is a cosmetic surgery. I was about to say, yeah. does this do they do they pull a cosmetic card on this? Cosmetic card on it, and yeah, uh. having teeth is cosmetic, which is ridiculous. So we're trying to fight for advocacy for making sure that people who have cleidocranial dysplasia are are covered medically 
to have those procedures done. So we've we've been working on that as well. But right now, what the funds are going to is uh, making sure that we can get people to pay for for things like implants if they've already gone to a point where they can't really return, or, uh, yeah. or helping kids with uh, the developmental issues in their jaw, and uh, yeah. and actually helping a lot of people with spinal situations and with problems with their back. A lot of people with uh, the condition end up having scoliosis. Wow. So it seems like it seems like the, the biggest problem is uh, one is awareness. And even among the medical community, yeah. that seems like a lot of just misdiagnosis or just wrong diagnosis at all. Yeah, exactly. And I know people who weren't diagnosed until their 30s. Yeah, we're told they, they did not know what they had. Some people did not know what they had until Stranger Things came out, until they wow. heard the name. And a lot of people have the condition. It, it's uh, it's recognizable based on uh, facial features and, and bone structure. It's uh, yeah. For people with more severe cases, it's uh, easy to tell. So uh, when some people saw me and realized that a lot of my features were similar to theirs, they were to look up and research and they ended up being diagnosed, which is, uh, that was really interesting. That was really, really cool. Wow. What do you say we take some questions for audience? I would love that. And this comes from Matthew. What's your favorite video game of the 80s? The Legend of Zelda, the first Legend of Zelda. I absolutely love that game. I love the Zelda games, all of them. I'm going to say probably the best game series of all time. And I'm pretty sure that I like, I keep debating about what the best video game of all time is, but all of them up there are Zelda games. Like, <laughs> like, I, I keep deciding between Ocarina of Time and, um, and Breath of the Wild. And I've played both so many times. I love it. But yes, the first Legend of Zelda, 100%. I played it like nine times. Nice. I'm a street, I'm a street fighter man myself. Ah, uh, I see. I was back when you the first game we hit the plungers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Matthew, thank you. That was a great one. What's next? From Ensign Brian. Where would you film Stranger Things if you could film it anywhere in the world? Somewhere in upstate New York because it's closer to home. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> I remember it films in Atlanta, Georgia, and I love Atlanta. And actually there's a lot of people down there that I'm very close with because of the show, so I kind of look at it as a second home considering I have a lot of friends there now. And uh, so I enjoy it now. So I wouldn't really change it because I want excuses to be able to go back. If, if I could like, at first I, we thought it was going to be filming in New York. We thought it was going to be filming in Montauk, New York, because that's mm -hmm. where it was originally going to take place was in Montauk, New York. There were a lot of uh, issues with that because there is a lot of stuff that we, we ended up putting, not being able to put it in Montauk because we were basing the show off of uh, a real place and based off of real events. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had to, so it still is based off of the events that took place in Montauk in, uh, in the 1970s and eighties, uh, going towards the end of the cold war in the place called camp hero. Mm -hmm. And uh, on that, it's called this stuff called the Montauk project, which is really, really interesting. There's yeah. a lot of, uh, theories about human experimentation and horrible. Yeah. That. Yeah. That. Just I've read, I've read about stuff like found up on the beaches in Montauk and, and the weirdest stuff. So it was based around that and the conspiracy yeah. around that. So probably New York because it's closer to home and because that would be really cool to help tie in with the original premise. Absolutely. Cool. And so, Brian, thank you for that one. Let's do another. From Sky, what was your absolute favorite part of filming wow. the seasons or your fondest memory of Stranger wow. Things? That's, that's literally five years of memory. Yeah right now i'm going back to when i was 13 i just turned 13 when we started filming season one so oh my gosh one of my favorite memories honestly it might and i know this is like people are gonna be like ah but 
filming the never-ending story scene was genuinely one of the most fun experiences I've had working, like, seriously. And I we knew, like, that it was going to hit like it did like we knew it was going to become like yeah. internet sensation thing and it was so much fun and i remember doing that and i remember working with gabby who plays Susie, and we like rehearsed the song beforehand and we uh we like planned har- we made harmonies and like well she's a broadway girl too she mm-hmm. was uh, she was in the production uh she was in fun home on broadway well she's so talented amazing and we like basically rehearsed this whole number and they were like knock it back seriously <laughs> like this sounds too professional we like we like practice practice yeah and that was so funny in that whole day because i was off camera for her coverage in her room which is in on studio and then she was there when i was uh singing actually it was really cool we filmed uh the scene where i'm singing on the hill on this little hill on our lot so we put up blue screens behind this little grassy hill that looked and literally behind the blue screen is just all of our studio stuff. Yeah. And all of the stages were there. And so it, like they actually filmed like a lot of coverage just there on the lot and just made it look like we were out where we had filmed a lot of the wider stuff on the hills and stuff. So she was there for that because we did the whole day on, on down stages. And it was just because everybody was so freaking happy that day. I just remember afterwards, everybody was laughing. And it was just one of the one of the better days that I can remember filming cool. such good vibes on set and everybody there was just so happy to be making that show. Yeah. It's so awesome. an honor. Awesome. Sky. Thank you. That was a great one. Yeah. What's uh, this one? Lily G. If you could be in any movie from the eighties, which would it be? Hmm. Any movie from the eighties. Well, I, I'm going to say star Wars because absolutely, but I know a new hope was 77. So you you could have popped in on on Empire or Jedi. Empire, Return of the Jedi. I'm going to pick between. I'm going to pick Return of the Jedi because it's my. It's like the movie that I have the most memories about. Is that one? Like, of course, I remember watching uh, like the Star Wars. Star Wars is what launched me into entertainment that wasn't Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And now it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now I was like, that was the first, that was the first form of entertainment that I was introduced to, and I was immediately in love with it. Immediately. So I'm gonna pick Return of the Jedi, only because all the stuff on Endor is so cool. The speed racer stuff, that'd be so cool. Even though I just got to be like a rebel soldier in like the cool camo costumes. Yeah. Be a stormtrooper, just that would be awesome. Right on. Cool. Lily, thank you. That was a great one. Lily. What do we have next? From Miranda. What are some of your favorite bands and what music do you listen to? I listen to a very wide range of, of music. Favorite band. I love Green Day. I've always loved Green Day uh, very, very much. One of the first bands I actually started to listen to that actually introduced me to, to uh, music as well, which is really cool. But So a lot of classic rock as well. I love, I love Led Zeppelin. And what's actually mm. really cool, I don't know if you guys have heard of Greta Van Fleet. You guys know Greta Van Fleet? They are a newer rock band, and the lead singer sounds identical to Robert Plant. It is mm. insane, and their stuff is awesome. Writing that down. Mm-hmm. Oh, so cool. You will not regret it. It's amazing. I love my uh, Joe Curie's new stuff. Joe with the D in the front, so DJO. Um, he's an album called 2020, and I don't think he actually realizes that 
like when I told him that I loved his music, like I think he thought I was just being nice, being like, good job releasing like your album. I don't think he understands. I know every lyric to every song on that album. <laughs> 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 he, I don't think he gets that I'm literally a fan of his music. I don't think he knows it. He's going to eventually. But like, oh yeah, well he'll know now. He'll know now. <laughs> somebody, somebody in the chat room is gonna head to their like, like fanboy shirts and stuff. <laughs> nice, Miranda. Thank you. That was a good one. What we have next from Jamie? Who was the first Stranger Things cast member you met, and what was your first impression of them? The first cast member that I met was actually at the same time I met Caleb and Sadie because we were all three of us were on Broadway at the same time. Oh. Yes. So Sadie was in Annie. I was in Les Mis and Caleb was in The Lion King. And so we knew each other from back then. That same park that I that talked park. about. <laughs> that park. We got to know each other there. <laughs> that was really, really cool. So I met them and we're theater kids. We all love each other. Uh, we got we to stick together. So like I always loved them and like getting to work with them again was amazing. But in context of Stranger Things, the first cast member that I met during the audition process and, and in context of the show was Finn. And it was when we went out to LA for the chemistry reads when I was reading for Dustin and he was the only Mike, he was actually the only cast member that I read with was Finn. And uh, we did uh, the opening scene with uh, the D at the D and D table, um, mm -hmm. D and D and, uh, and Ross Duffer, one of our, uh, one of our creators read for Lucas cause they didn't have a Lucas in at the audition room. So he was our Lucas and they had, I, I, for, I think he might've read for Lucas and Will during that. Uh, and I think, I think they took that scene from the audition word for word and it's in uh, the show, but uh, it was so cool. Like he's so funny and genuinely we got along instantly. And I remember how nervous he was going into it. And I remember, I mean, like I've been auditioning for four years before that, like just, like more than that i've been auditioning, auditioning consistently for five six years at that point just going in and just doing as much as possible so like the auditioning process was not as like jarring for me i mean it was different because i never have to go to like la for like a chemistry like that so it was it was yeah. nerve-wracking. i remember seeing finn biting his nails his leg is bouncing up and down faster than i've ever seen anybody's ever and he's reading his lines and he looks terrified and i just sat down next to him I said, hey, and he looks at me and he goes, hey, and then <laughs> immediately, and uh, we just started talking, and uh, we ended up uh, going to the hotel pool after that, and we uh, we uh, had a really nice day, so that was really, really cool, and I remember after I, I got cast, they said, uh, you're the first one, and which is cool, really cool that I was the first one cast, but then I couldn't text the people that I met and ask them, and be like, hey, I'm in. Are you yeah. All I wanted to do was text Finn. All I wanted to do was be like, dude, please, please tell me you got it. But if you didn't, that would be so shitty. That would be, <laughs> it'd be terrible if I was like, I think are you? And he's like, no. There's a, there's a certain grace period where you, yeah, you learn real quick. Yeah. You don't ask anybody to hear anything. You wait for them to say, hey, I, I, I bagged the two day yeah, contract. Finn, yeah. I think he didn't know that I was cast yet. So we were kind of just waiting for each other to ask. Yep. <laughs> but we had both already booked it at that point. And so we had kept talking back and forth. It was awesome. Yeah. Been, been there, done that. Jamie, thank you. It was a great thank one. Right, let's, do one, let's do another one. From Piper Cosplay. If you had the chance to be in any Broadway play, 
what would you choose? Hmm. Are we? I don't know if like Piper cosplay uh, is in theater or not. So I don't know if when you say play, I don't know if you're referring to like musicals and plays. Uh, I'm gonna you, be. You choose. Are we going like with either one? Okay. Um, I'll tell you what. If you want, you pick a play and you can pick a musical. Okay, I'll do that. Um, a play. I would absolutely love. Eventually, like I couldn't do this now because I'm too young, and I would absolutely love to play Lewis in Angels in America when it comes to plays. It's literally an eight-hour play. It's yeah. Insane. But I saw it in uh, in its recent Broadway run, and it was absolutely stunning. One of the greatest pieces of theater I'd ever gotten to see. One of the most astounding casts on yeah. anything. It was insane. So it might have been that experience that draws me to the show a lot. Uh, but and it's something about the character and and he said he says so much. There's so much talking involved with with, with Lewis and it's such a it's such a cool role and such an in extraordinary play. Uh, when it comes to musicals though, oh boy. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness! I absolutely adore Dear Evan Hansen, and I, I've read I've read the, the novel that they made. I've seen the show twice. I've uh, I've listened to the music. I know all the music, and it's a, a role that I think so many people my age really in, uh, can look into and really relate to in a sense. And so it's it looks challenging as hell. And like, just like kind of blocked it off because he's such a tenor and I'm very much a baritone. So like, it's like, I can always dream, but uh, yeah. So when it comes to musicals, I would love to just be able to <laughs> that in some capacity. But also, uh, oh, there's Toby and Sweeney Todd, which is oh. really, really high up on the list. Oh, oh. oh. If they ever brought back City of Angels, I'd cast you as the writer in that. Yeah? Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally see it. I mean, yeah, get get you know get a few more years on you. And right. uh yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I I totally I could totally see you in that. Cool, cool. Uh, cool. Let's do Thanks. another one. Um, Natalie, what was the biggest challenge while filming? Thank you, Natalie. Biggest challenge while filming. Wow. Again, list goes on. It's uh, it's a very exciting show to be a part of. Very uh, high intensity, high energy show to be a part of, and though it's very fun, comes along with uh, with its fair share of challenges. From when it comes to filming itself, night shoots are always the best and the worst mm-hmm. because uh, that's why you make most of the fun memories as on our night shoots because everybody's so tired that they're so giggly. <laughs> and so every time we're just like, all we need is like, and the, I think everybody, it's like three in the morning and we all have coffee and we all have the caffeine jitters, but we've been up for like, like 20 hours already. And like, we're just like, we know that there's still hours ahead. And like, it's those, those times that where you have to just like laugh at it, but it can get very stressful. But when it comes to um, just being a part of the show in general, it has to be being away from home for a very long time. Due to the, the pandemic, I've been home for quite a bit and getting to relax here. So, I mean, that it's been, it's, I've been kind of getting antsy trying to get back into work just because yeah. I've been for a very long time. But we're usually on in Atlanta filming for 
seven, eight months. And so it takes a while. It's more than half the year where I'm away from Canada. And all, everybody, all my family grew up here in New Jersey, and we filmed down in Atlanta. So. Curiously enough, now that you're graduating high school, will yes. this free up your availability for yes. regular shooting? Oh, I am so excited to finally get to experience filming the show without dealing with school. Without having to deal, I mean, I, I, I always loved filming the show anyway, and I always uh, made sure that school was a no, was the number one priority. Was making sure that I that I finished school and that I finished school at my school where I yes. be forever. And Which I think is very commendable that you do. Thank you very much. But yeah, so that was the number one priority. But now, uh, especially because I'm about to be 18, there are no, different rules. There are different. There are no more rules. <laughs> It's <laughs> no, what you wish for. Now they can yeah, abuse you uh, like crazy. Right? By the time I uh, go back to filming, uh, I turn eighteen in the beginning of, the, uh, of September. I almost said December. I almost got my own birthday wrong. Give me a long day. Um, <laughs> I, I turn eighteen in the beginning of September, and I think at that point we won't because of the pandemic. We may not be back into filming, so I'll be eighteen, and so I can they can keep me as long as they need me without any uh, time caps. Because when I'm seventeen, I have like a 10 and a half hour limit. Yeah. 11 hour limit right. in my day. And like, as you get younger, it can change. Like for people who are like eight, nine, it's like an eight hour limit. And then for like six year olds, it's like a six hour limit. And then you have yeah. toddlers who work on the show. And we have had toddlers work on the show. The twins who play Mike's little sister. Yeah. Um, whose time cap is at like three, four hours. Yeah. Which is good and completely understandable. And I can, Everyone should support that. They're yeah. little babies working on the show. And so they got to yeah. make sure that they're taken care of. Now I'm turning 18. They're going to be like, <laughs> have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, for, and, and for the record, we are not we are not disparaging the oh. the, the, the child actor no, laws. No. With, oh, Jack, I, Jack, with Jack, that Jackie Cooper, you know, like had to put I, into because they were working I, him like a mule in the 30s. It's insane. And I, I realized being a, a child actor, what, what people say, child actor, in the sense that, uh, a lot of people look at it. It's really good being one now rather than one even in the 80s because I hear a lot of stories from a lot of people who have been in situations very, very similar to me who uh, were not taken care of, who were not, who were exploited and who were, um, who were abused. Mm -hmm. And, and it's disgusting what went on a while ago. And I'm glad that it's changed and that people open their minds, but I'm turning 18 and they're like, yep. 12-hour days, here we come. <laughs> yeah, get, yeah get ready, son. Get ready, son. Well, maybe it means more screen time. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, think we got, I think we got time for one more question, so I'll ask our producers to pull a really good one out of the hat. This one from Jamie. If you could only bring one item to the upside down, what would you bring and why? Hmm. I'm trying to think of something practical, like a fire, like a lighter. But like a lighter would run out, you'd run out of lighter fluid. So maybe like a fire starter, like one of those. That like, but how can you set a fire in the upside down? Everything's cold and wet. Mm. Everything's cold and wet. Maybe, ooh, like a camouflage survival blanket. Not bad. Warm, and if anything comes by, I can just like duck under it and and just stay there. Because I mean, I can't be like I'm gonna bring a sword. Like I'm not fighting back. I know that right now. If I see anything, I'm bolting. You know, bye bye is what I'm doing. So it's something that can help me hide because I'm I'm small and I can I can bend my bones a lot. Oh, <laughs> my bones a lot, so I can squeeze into small spaces. I guess I'll go like that. 
Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah. Ah, GalaxyCon. This has been Gaten Matarazzo. Gaten, before we go, any final words? Thank you guys for tuning in. And just, you know, this is all uh, going to um, CCD Smiles, my organization. So that would be really, really greatly appreciated, especially if you got those shirts. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thank you for sitting with us, my, my young friend. This has been an absolute delight. And thank you for our audience. Thank you for those great questions. Uh, Gaten, we look forward to having you back live on a GalaxyCon stage in front of your fans. I know. Uh, yes. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care and keep washing those hands. <laughs>